and Corps of Engineers surveyed it. But believe me, 623, if not a little earlier, and it wasn't military, uh, you know, uh, earthwork at all. It had nothing to do with... From the Myriad to Atlantis, Edgar Casey's Incredible Visions of Lost Civilizations. Jefferson was kind of enamored with this idea that once they are lost races, that, that blended with Native people. So it's now destroyed, but it, it's uh, um, in the U.S. records uh, that can be found. It's this ancient earthwork that supposedly it look like a hundred mountain. And what power of powers were these early pyramids and temples constructed? By the lifting forces of those gases that are being used gradually in the present civilization, and by the fine worker activity of those versed in the uh, in that pertaining to the sources from which all power comes. Basically, Casey was asked about how a lot of the, the astonishing megalithic sites around the planet were built, and he talked about a lost science that is um, attributed to these, these masters, these temple priests, who had... Um, an ability to control the forces of nature, and, and they used like light and sound and levitation to create. It wasn't like a CNC machine, like you, you think uh, Puma Punku might have been built by. So for as long as there remains those pure in body, mind, and activity to the law of the one God, there is continued resource for the meeting, for meeting the needs, or for commanding the elements and their activities in the supply of the necessary in such relations. I know he speaks in a really arcane way, and I'll point out, when he's talking about one god, he's not talking about a, a white god in the sky who's pissed off half the time. He's talking about an abstract, universal field of awareness uh, that we are a part of. So Casey says that light, sound, vibration, technology, and levitation we used to build the early Yucatan temples, now gone. The Peruvian and Bolivian structures, uh, which he uh, attributes to Atlantean colonies as far back as 28,000 years ago, and the Great Pyramid of Egypt, built between 10,490 B.C. and 10,390 B.C. He claims that Pyramid was not 2,750 B.C. in its construction, but a much earlier date built by Atlantean refugees, and that the astonishing stonework you see in Peru and Bolivia, it was in fact an Atlantean colony. <clears throat> so this is a reading uh, talking about Peru, and Ahum, that builded the walls across the mountains in the, this period, those uh, through those same usages of that as has been taken on by those peoples and also into the American area and became the first of the mound dwellers or peoples in this land. He's talking about these Atlantean refugees. And from a stonemason and, and engineering perspective, I can tell you that a lot of the structures I see, you know, like Saksiwam and, and parts of Machu Picchu, are well beyond uh, the ability to create them by the tools of the time. Uh, you know, normally the, these structures are attributed to the Inca in the 1500s or things like that. I'd say it was literally impossible to, oh, to do things uh, like, like some of the stonework from a mason's and engineering perspective. And I, I just got to stick with that. You know, maybe a master mason will prove me wrong someday, but it's not, for me, it's not a matter of time. I could not construct a, any of these uh, uh, constructions I'll show you using the tools of the time. It's, it's just utterly impossible. Here I am with Brian Forrester talking about this, this pillowing of stones in Cusco, um, the incredibly tight joints, the fact it almost looks like the stone was melted, that there was some weird technology that we don't understand at work. In the 50s, this wall was uncovered by um, uh, an earthquake, I believe. So you see the old, some would say Atlantean work, and then you see the Inca work in front of it. 
And this is what the wall looks like today. So a prime example that the Inca, after the facts, built the second layer of, uh, of uh, construction in a different age. So his patchwork, this is Inca, that's Spanish. This is megalithic, uh, pre-Diluvian. And his Ole Tetambo, incredible stonework, incredible joinery. And when you're shaping something like this, you know, you work so long to get it right, and then you fit it together. And what if it's off just a little? Would you throw the stone away? You know, when you look through all the joints, the, the, you can't get a micron between these. Forget about a razor blade. It's so uh, outrageous and astonishing. And these little, like, um, details in there, you'd never do that uh, unless you just could do it easily. It, it, it is so beyond uh, um, comprehension for me. Uh, I, I'm just awestruck when I look at the stonework over and over again. And, and frankly, you know, your standard archaeologist uh, doesn't understand from an engineering and stonemason's perspective, it could not have been uh, done with the tools of the time. So you see these interlocking joints. Here I am in uh, Puma Punku. And the, these planes here are like diamond sod. Uh, the, the inner joints to get them so tight is, is ridiculous. There are drill holes there. Hmm. Hi, I'm Dr. Bradley Nelson, author of The Emotion Code. And Hi, I would like to invite you to a special free online event. There, there is a technology used that we don't understand, and I'm sticking by that story because, like I said, I couldn't create these blocks with the tools of the time if I had a thousand years and a hundred guys. So, you know, once again, Casey lays out this strange story, and it seems to be verified by these these massive blocks of hard stone that were thrown around, you know, like, like styrofoam in the cataclysm. And we have, uh, you know, places like Baalbek and Lebanon that, that, um, they look like they're supporting Casey's story as well. Massive. And here's Hugh with uh, one of the huge stones of the quarry. And this is an we couldn't town even move that in the present Baldwin day. It's a big town, well enclosed with walls and tolerably commercial. In the center is a castle filled with very large stones. At present, it contains a mosque in which it is said there is a human skull with eyes so enormous that a man may pass his head through their openings. Now, Casey. Well, that's Steiner, what, um, um, it's called the size of your desk. Well, anyways, this is a series of, of mystics and esoteric sources. I'm sorry, the Rosicrucians of Freemasons. There are giants that exist in the past, is, is prevalent uh, throughout our culture in myth and legend. Uh, so, in the Great Sphinx, you have. This weathering that took place that John Anthony West and Robert Shaw talked about, and it seems to indicate a much greater age for the Sphinx, just like Casey said. So his story of, of Lemuria is uh, root races, hybrids, and fallen angels. This is the timeline that Casey gives. Basically, 10.5 million uh, B.C., humans descended into matter and lived in Lemuria in the Pacific. And then in 500,000 years ago, there was a flood and then a series of catastrophes. In 210,000 B.C. in the Atlantic, the same thing occurred there, that humans were not, did not evolve from apes or lower, lower forms of life like Australopithecines. But in fact, you know, we got trapped in matter, if you will. And then in 50,000 B.C., that is when uh, the first Atlantean disturbance occurred and when Lemuria submerges. And this is what Lemuria was supposed to look like in the middle of the Pacific. So, you know, I would throw out there that, 
you know, somebody who, who studies plate tectonics would say, oh, this is an entire impossibility. Geology does not allow for continents existing in the middle of the Atlantic and the Pacific. And I would say if you really study plate tectonics, and I'm not going to get into it right now, but there was a lot of criticism of those theories. Uh, they seem to be fatally flawed, some of these theories uh, that, that are the golden calves of science, plate tectonics being one of them. There are catastrophic mechanisms that we don't understand, uh, and it just hasn't... Uh, you know, a, a theory to explain it all hasn't uh, presented itself, so plate tectonics has not been replaced. So in the lands known as Utah and Nevada, when the first peoples were separated into groups as families, the entity, sometimes called soul entity, refers to the soul as spirit as part of an individual which Casey says survives death, developed much and gave much to the people who were to succeed in that land. And he talks about petroglyphs going back 10 million years in New Mexico. And uh, his timeline is basically that, that humans first came to this, this world 10,500,000 uh, 10, years ago. And there was an esoteric tradition that redwood trees are actually part of, of the flora and fauna of ancient Lemuria, and they survived to the present day. So in Pohnpei, Micronesia, you know, these ideas of a Lemurian lost civilization in a megalithic culture, they persist. You have incredible megalithic stonework there. So according to Pohnpeian oral tradition, the first two beings to arrive on Pohnpei were two giant sorcerer brothers from a lost world, Olashipa and Oloshopa. And they used powers of levitation to build the, these ancient structures. They were not built in 1200 AD by the Sada Lairs. The belief is it is much older. And then you have this account by the American Geographic Society where giants, uh, where bones of gigantic size were taken out of the vaults. You also have megaliths uh, like the Trilithon in Tonga, and you have uh, a vast array of, of megalithic structures in the Pacific that the mystic would say are remnants of a lost civilization. So one of the um, associations uh, with giants is, is six fingers and six toes that I've talked with in, at length in the past. And Casey describes in one of his readings a refugee called Muzuin who landed in the Gobi Desert in 9000 BC and he had six fingers and six toes. And Pliny also talks about, um, you know, ordinary uh, that, that these, um, <clears throat> the Ceres in the area exceeded the ordinary human height, had flaxen hair, blue eyes, and made an uncouth sort of noise by way of talking. <clears throat> so the same description of these people in the Gobi area. So Casey referred to a city buried under the sands of Gobi in 1936 called the City of Gold. He also stated that this city would probably be discovered in the future. So in this Gobi desert region, uh, Casey said there is a lost city where the um, refugees from Lemuria went. Now I understand, uh, you know, this whole idea won't get taken seriously until there is a find like this lost city of gold or, or, or some, um, you know, some structure from a previous age that's 40, 50,000 years ago. I understand that. I'm just laying out this, uh, this, you know, esoteric approach to our past, you know, trying to be open-minded about these things. Now, Casey talked about the being being six foot tall with blue hair and blonde eyes, uh, a radical and ridiculous idea at the time. And recently, Tarim Basin mummies were found that were between six foot tall, six foot six, had blue eyes, blonde hair, and red hair, and that were, in fact, caucasoid. And one of the interesting things about Easter Island is this 
in this isolated place, there's an astonishing level of sophisticated stonework that looks like some of the walls you find in Peru. In fact, uh, there was a Rongo Rongo writing system that that is you know that occurred and supposedly grew up in this this isolated island. Uh, so there was a lot of evidence that East Island is one of the few places in the world where writing was invented independently of other recording systems. Why it was created in such an isolated location remains a mystery. This is uh, you know an academic talking about this, but I just think it's in reverse. It wasn't conjured up overnight. It was a legacy of a lost people who lived in the area or showed up, showed up after the flood. So one of the pervasive ideas that Casey uh, keeps talking about in his readings is that there's lost hall of records in the Yucatan and under the par of the Sphinx. And this particularly interests me because there's a lot of uh, new finds, like um, a void was just found in the Great Pyramid. And if it comes back and there's evidence that it was built in 27 BC, you know, I'll roll with that and, you know, adjust my theories, if you will. But this is what he had to say. The entity's tomb was then part of the Hall of Records, which has not yet been uncovered. It lies between or along the entrance from the Sphinx to the Temple or the Pyramid, in a pyramid, of course, of its own. Remember that there are 32 of these plates. So Casey is saying that the Lost Hall of Records was planted by temple priests under the par of the Sphinx in Egypt. <clears throat> so what was the date of the actual beginning and ending of the construction of the Great Pyramid? It was 100 years in construction, begun and completed in the period of Ararat's time with Hermes, Thoth, and Ra as the grand architects, Atlantean survivors. And what was uh, the date? Well, uh, 10,490 to 10,390 uh, BC, before the prince entered Egypt, Jesus, who was the prince of peace. And then in the Yucatan, Iltar in the Yucatan Hell Records, in 10,600 BC, with the final destruction of Atlantis, the physical contour was now Central America was changed as that land also experienced upheavals. The first temples erected by Iltar and his followers were destroyed. The records of Atlantis that were transported to the Yucatan have not been recovered, although the readings insist that this will eventually happen. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, the finding of the lost hall records in the Yucatan or in Egypt would solve this story. And, you know, I, I am committed to continue to look for these records and it just rings intuitively true you know if i'm wrong it's like you know i could have wasted my time on facebook i'd rather look for uh, lost records of atlantis you know i really feel there's something to the story and and uh intuition i think is a big part of research you you're or just figuring out you know where to go in life so i really uh i oh i don't undervalue intuition in me personally or in anyone and i'd say as a viewer on your experience it's like this dude's out of his mind, or like that rings true. That seems to answer all these weird mythological questions and enigmas that don't get answered by science. I just say, just be open-minded about these things. Right. I turned the world. Okay, I'm gonna crash my 